What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. This is Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. This podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Visit swibbits.edu to find out more about what God is doing on Seminary Hill. What's up, Kyle? How are you doing, Dr. Kyle, non-alcoholic beerman? former pastor of FBC Alamo Gordo and current, I don't really know what your like 10 word title is with Nam, uh, but I noticed behind you, there is like nothing. There, there is, is no, nothing. I'm used to seeing all of your bookshelves yeah. with all of your peanuts, uh, comics, yep. uh, collections behind you because you don't read theological works. You only read comic books. And the only Calvin you know is Calvin and Hobbes. So <laughs> I, I'm noticing behind you, there's not a whole lot there because you are moving to yep. the great republic of Texas. Yes, that's right. And you got to worship with us yesterday. We're recording this on Monday. And I think I introduced you as my best friend that I now hate. (laughs) I believe that's right. It was something like that. Yeah. And so then we prayed over you and my people didn't quite know how to do that. Some were like kind of making their way halfway up. Some were just putting their hands up, whatever. And then when I said, amen, like, amen, I hate your guts. And then, <laughs> so, yeah. but how, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm wonderful. As you mentioned, uh, my home office is looking a little bare right now because uh, actually all of our bookshelves are on the back porch because uh, while, while I've been working uh, with Nam stuff during the day, Michelle's been painting our entire house uh, during the day. So uh, you know, we moved all this stuff out last week. And it's interesting. So we have like just stacks of, boxes of books around. And uh, so one of the things I'm going to have to adjust to is I've had for years, I've had basically two offices, right? I've had the church office and then we, we've always had like a small home office and suddenly I'm, I'm down to one and that's about a 10 foot by 10 foot space that I'm going to have in our new house with uh, an entire theological library and some other stuff. So um, well, the, upside is, the upside is you're only like four, eight. So, you know, you don't yeah, take a whole lot right. of room in there. And, and as you were talking, I did think of a funny joke, just, you know, because I'm always so encouraging to you, yeah. is your walls are as bare as your bald head. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, that's so, very good. So, yeah, it was it was great to worship with you, man. Uh, I think we only really got to do that, like, twice, I feel like. Yeah, I've I've been, I've been, at, that was the second time that I've been at Mayhill on, like, a Sunday morning, which is twice more than you have ever been to Alamogordo. I don't Sunday listen. Morning. I don't listen to preachers that preach from a table. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know the appearance of evil. Evil. If you've got <laughs> a you go. table up there, I mean, especially man, you're getting nam money. Do they know that you were using a pub table of all things? I mean, you have to sign that contract about no alcohol and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, they listen to the episode, and, and otherwise, they wouldn't have hired you. Because if I called you Kyle Alcoholic Beerman, then yeah, they would have been like, no, he, we can't do that. But do they know? Do I need to send like an open letter to them, like to Doctor Ezell? Said you realize this guy used to preach from a pub uh, table table yeah we're, we're redeeming it much like you know uh uh martin luther would take um you know drinking songs and and sanctify them with christian lyrics we're, we're doing that, that was what i was doing taking okay, a pub enough. table and and making it holy 
It was also because you weren't you weren't even as tall as the pulpit that was there before. So the so, pulpit that we uh, had was enormous, and our stage was not. <laughs> yeah, it was so big. Um, so yeah, now now since we've last recorded, so it's been several weeks since we've actually done one of these because we recorded it several and then and then loaded them up. You, you had some. You've had a couple of kind of big. Uh, milestones that you've hit for one you are now dr matt hensley primarily you are done uh with well with this degree i I would say you're done with education but no i'm done that remains to be seen. i'm never reading another book never (laughs) writing another paper like nothing ever again i I will say this so yes i am done with the d-man and I, i know you were going on to something else but i have noticed that now i i am so done with editing that's that's I love writing. I love all of that kind of stuff. But now, like, I'll see something in a tweet. I'm like, man, maybe I should go and delete. No, I don't care anymore. I, I'm just so over editing typos and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was a it was a great time. It, it was really funny because right before the the ceremony got started, I was kind of walking around, milling around, talking to people that, that I knew. And thankfully, we were able to have an in person graduation. And uh, I don't. I don't know exactly the capacity or how many that were there, but I know we had around 300 graduates and then their family members uh, generally could have about four people each. And so all of those were in the room and uh, I got to see Josh King and family up in the uh, balcony and kind of wave at them, that kind of deal. But then down below, I was walking around seeing all the people and I ran into Adam Covington and uh, one of my best friends on planet earth and, you know, no, most of the people that I was taking selfies with, you know, Dr. Allen, Dr. Queen, you know, Dr. McKellar, all of these guys, you know, we're just smiling, really reserved and, you know, uh, professional and academic looking. And then I took the selfie with Adam Covington and we both like instinctively opened our mouths wide open and our eyeballs bulging out of our heads and took the absolute greatest picture I think I've ever taken in my life. And then when I went back to look at it, because of course I didn't see it, you know, I had the phone turned around and I went back to look at it. The dude looked like one of those exhibits at Ripley's Believe It or Not, where they pop out their eyeballs from their head. (laughs) It was absolutely amazing. And it was really just the way that the camera hit his glasses. It kind of enlarged them a little bit more than it really was, but it was, it was amazing. And then Dr. Greenaway starts his sermon, which was basically, don't be an idiot. And, and I was like, so, wise words for you there, Matt. You should, uh, you should heed those. About that picture I just took. And so, but it was, it was great. And, and I don't know about you when you had your graduation ceremony with Rockbridge, um, you know, and, and so forth, but it was taking everything in me to not totally, completely lose it. And because there, there were times where I just realized I'm about to ball right now and, and I'm not really a crier. Uh, somebody cries, you know, in a counseling session, usually tears will come at that point, but I don't ever really remember a time that I just start crying. But this was one of those that for whatever reason, like when we were singing, I was about to cry when, you know, I see Dr. Bingham walk up there and talk. I was about to cry. Like all of these moments, like, I'm like, dude, pull it together, man. And, uh, but it was great. And uh, the only downside to all of it, as you know, is we were in Texas and Texas is hot, which is I love Texas. It's my favorite place on earth. However, when you go into a building and it's about 60 degrees, 
And then you go outside and it's noon o'clock in Fort Worth, Texas in the summer. There's this thing called hot and it was hot, hot. There's this other thing called humid and it was human, human. And so we're out there taking all of our pictures in these giant robes, giant hats and all of this kind of stuff. And when I took it back to the Jostens representative, I just held it up and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done to this robe because it was like twice as heavy as when I got it because it was drenched in sweat. But we had a great time. But yes, am the doctor, Matt Hensley, D-Man, uh, extraordinaire. And we had a dissertation, as we talked about here before, on pastor-led, member-fulfilled, disciple-making strategy. So it was cool that the the walk across the stage, that my title was long enough to last from as I started to when I got hooded. So it was perfect. Uh, but yeah, that happened. And then today, we were recording this on Monday. Today, I ate my 3,000th waffle. Wow. And when I say my 3,000th waffle, it's not that I've counted. Consecutively. It is let's, that let's, I've had it consecutive, consecutively. I can't even say that word. I started on February 28th, 2013. And every single day since I've had a waffle, and today happened to be number 3,000. And so we went to the Waffle and Pancake House, which I would like to look up the history of Alamogordo because it sure looks like a waffle house. But anyway, went into there with some members from our church. They even gave me a certificate that, brother, it is, it is more meaningful to me than my Doctor of Ministry and Master of Divinity combined. And uh, they, they had a certificate made to, to note this monumental occasion in my life uh, that Brother Dr. Pastor Matt Hensley has successfully eaten 3,000 waffles and achieved the title of Waffle King Extraordinaire. And so that is going <laughs> in my office above my degrees. I am so pumped. That is so, outstanding. Yeah, yeah I saw that. I, I, was, I was wondering where that came from because I, uh, I saw that you posted that waffle king extraordinaire that is outstanding yes way to go so so, so. now my question is do you stop at 3000 like Man. that that is like the that's kind of the hall of fame number for baseball right you get you get 3000 hits you're in the hall of fame unless you're Pete Rose but uh so so is this where you oh, stop like do you, yeah, or do, do you do you call it there man and and hang it up my, my question to you would be, did Chuck Morgan stop? <laughs> Chuck Morgan, for those of you who don't know, is the uh, an, uh, in a ballpark announcer for the, the Texas Rangers, PA, uh, PA public address announcer for the Texas Rangers, who last season uh, celebrated his 3,000th game. Now, I will say this also, his, his 3,000th game consecutively uh, it took like 40 years. <laughs> your, your waffle streak took eight. All right. So, well, so it's, <laughs> in my defense, uh, you know, there's only so many home games. He doesn't do the away there stuff. They're 81. Right. That's true. Know. No, they're 81. Yeah. And then That's true. I also, this is every single day, you know, so he's not having to travel to another town and try and remember if he brought a waffle with him or if the hotel is going to have a waffle maker. He's not having to keep up with that. I'm just telling you that you, you put Chuck Morgan's, uh, you put Cal Ripkins up there 
And I feel like this is infinitely greater accomplishment than either one of those. I'm just kidding. Yep. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we had that going on and uh, had a good time. So Waffle King extraordinaire in, in the past, this really, this, all of these happened, I think before this podcast ever happened. Uh, but when I did the 500th waffle, I sent in a deal to the Guinness book of world records and they rejected it because it was not unique enough. At a thousand, I submitted it again because it had been in the paper and I'd had all of these, like every 100th one, we would have like a big party. And, and then I had obviously the picture of at this point, a thousand waffles. And so I sent in a second one thinking maybe I'll get a more lenient uh, judge. And I sent in the second one with 1000 pictures with the newspaper write-ups with all of this kind of backstory and everything thinking this is going to sell. And they're like, we don't have proof of you actually eating them. <laughs> and so I was like, so you, need, so you need to video every single day. I would have, you, have well, video. I, even that they would have to ask, well, how do we know that this was May 17th, 2021? Like, you know, how am I going to truly pull that off? Because even so that, you just have to get the, you know, dude, perfect. Every time they try to break a world record, they have like the Guinness representative there. You just need to have the Guinness representative come to Mayhill, move to Mayhill so we can verify every single day yeah. that you eat a waffle. Yeah. So now, now you have a certificate saying that you're the, you're the waffle king. Yeah. And so if I'm not the Guinness book of world records, I guess I'll be like the O'Doul's book of world records or something. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so things are great here. And uh, one of the things we were going to talk about today before some of these recorded ones that we had, uh, we had been talking through evangelism. And uh, we had Dr. Queen on, uh, I believe, when you were out of pocket, uh, and really a topic of getting to the gospel, how in our everyday conversations that we can transition to the gospel. And I had shared, I think, even on this uh, podcast before, and certainly with him, about one of the first times that I was evangelizing, and we were talking about icebreakers, which is kind of the same idea. And we were at like a Burger King, and we're at the little dispenser of ketchup and there's a guy getting ketchup on one and I'm getting ketchup on the other one on the other side. This was before COVID when you could actually do this. And, and so I'm sitting there, I'm like, Hey, you like ketchup? Yeah, me too. Has anybody asked you if you're a good person, you know, or something like that? Like that was my transition. So I broke the ice with whether or not he liked ketchup as he's getting ketchup and then asked him if he was a good person. It was based on the way of the master one. So there are bad ways to do it. <laughs> and then there are <laughs> some point. good ways. And uh, so even Dr. Queen shared a very kind of corny one where he sees a U.S. Postal Service lady coming onto a uh, elevator with him. And as the door closes, he said, oh, you deliver mail? I deliver messages, too. And, and I would like to tell you that God loves you. And da, 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 like, so there are corny ways to do it. There are maybe a little more easy, more seamless, non-weird ways to do it. But ultimately, in our conversations, as people that are called to make disciples, we want to get to the gospel. And so that was the point of Dr. Queens. And uh, since then... I was preparing for a sermon at First Baptist Church in Grand Prairie that I was going to preach after my graduation. And so Dr. Scar was my almost lifelong pastor, and uh, he had invited me to come and preach. And it was Mother's Day. And so, of course, 
if I'm thinking about a Mother's Day sermon, the very first sermon that's going to come to mind would be the woman on the well or a woman at the well. And <laughs> so the Samaritan woman, of course, you know, a woman with a rap sheet. And uh, so, so anyway, I'm thinking, why, why in this church that loves me, cares about me, am I going to preach this text? Like, because it wasn't, I really wasn't choosing this. I really felt led to this. And I'm like, God, what are you wanting to, to really teach me as I study? And what I noticed as I was making my way through kind of the context of John and seeing that in John 3, you have Nicodemus as the poster child of the good old boy. You know, the church going, the religious guy, the Bible knowing, Bible thumping guy, you know, the good old boy yet is lost. And then you have John three sixteen through 21, and that's all, you know, for God so loved the world, blah, 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 blah. But then in John 4, you've got this woman that we start reading along, and you can kind of read through the lines, like she's having to go to the well in the afternoon when it's hot, because there's a reputation around this woman. And then we find out why there's a reputation around this woman, because, you know, Jesus says, hey, go tell your husband or whatever. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he's like, bingo, <laughs> you've had five. And the one you're with now is not your husband. And then she's probably bright red and like busted. And, uh, and so we see this woman here that has a rap sheet. And so as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, oh, that's it. You've got John three sixteen, the most well-known passage really in all of scripture being sandwiched by kind of the scope of those he came to save. The good old people, the good old boys, girls that are, you know, kind of banking on their works righteousness, thinking that if I can do all of the good things that would outweigh my bad things and so forth, that God may let me into heaven, that kind of deal, that he can save them. And then you've got this one over here that's probably thinking that I've done so much, like even my closest friends won't even talk to me anymore, that God can never forgive me. And yet, they're both saved. And so I see this kind of scope, and out of it came a purposeful booklet. And, uh, and so we were going to talk through God Can Save Me, uh, which has a question mark and an exclamation mark, because it is both a question that probably many people have asked, God can save me, but it's also an exclamation that, yes, he can save you. And the book walks through that uh, in a real simple way. But the idea being getting to the gospel as we're sharing the gospel with people, that maybe you talk to somebody and they're receptive, right? You know, they're not antagonistic, that maybe they're listening, they're interested in what you're saying, but either by time or maybe they still have some reservations. And instead of just, well, you know, have a good day, let's talk about it next week, you know, something like that. Here is something you can put in their hand, and it has the gospel really from beginning to end. Uh, where they can really sit on it, read about it. It's got some more information where they can go and get even more detail and so forth. And so we'll kind of talk through how it's formatted and, and all of that stuff on this episode. But first, I got to ask you a question because the question I want to know is, did my best friend in New Mexico that's leaving me for Texas, did he buy it? I so here you have, uh, I have proof right here on my iPad that I bought this book on Kindle. So there you go. 
So, so I'm sure, so I'm sure you made, you I'm sure you made about me. 10 cents. You don't this. love me enough to buy the paperback. I see how it is. I do see how it is. You, but, so as, as a, you should know this from, uh, from an author standpoint with, uh, with Kindle direct publishing, you actually make more on Kindle versions than you do on printed versions. So you're welcome. Yeah, well, thank you for the 10 cents. I will get the tip the next time we go out to eat. Uh, because that's another thing. And we'll we'll talk about kind of how, how you can get it and so forth and why it's priced where it is. Because I, one, have OCD. Those, those that know me know that I have OCD. And so it is priced as low as I can get it, where it still ends at 95. And the only reason I do that is because all of my other books end at 95. And uh, so it's just something that I have to do. And if I could have gotten it down to 295, it would have been 295 or 195. It would have been 195. But I took it as low as Amazon would let me, but then had the 95 on the end. And here's the funny part. Did you get to do all of the pricing for all of the markets like it's in Germany? I don't know why anybody that would read German would want my book. But anyway, it's in there. All of the other Amazon dot, you know, Japan, Amazon dot Australia, all that kind of stuff. I don't even know how the money works over there, but I still put .95 on all of those. And there was one that was like the minimum was 608, whatever, like, I don't know if it was yens, cents, pesos, whatever it was. And so even on that one, I just changed it to 695. (laughs) And so all of them look so gorgeous, just 95 straight down the list. And some of those like give me like, a dollar or whatever their thing is. And then some of them give me like five cents. And uh, so, but it doesn't matter to me because it all says 95. But anyway, we digress. So when we're talking to somebody through the gospel and through evangelism and so forth, one of the things that they have to realize is there is some bad news. And the bad news really in this book takes us through the first part of the Romans road, where you have the well-known passages about all of sin and fall, fallen short of the glory of God, or there's none righteous, no, not one. And you and I can talk about sin and know exactly what we are talking about. But when you're talking to somebody that maybe has never uh, heard of Scripture or heard of sin or anything like that, they may not necessarily know what that means. Or when we talk about original sin and knowing Adam and Eve and so forth, so I take some time to explain what those things are, what sin really is, what it means, why we do sin, which we take that back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and I explain it in a very readable, kind of unchurched mentality, like what are they going to understand and so forth. And then anytime that I was wondering if there might be a question about it, I would put a footnote that could take them to got questions or, you know, something like that where they could understand and read in a little more context and so forth, what original sin or what sin might be in, in that kind of deal. And so first, what, what are kind of your thoughts on the, the bad news, if you will? Why, why is it important for people to understand that, yeah, you know, they've, they've screwed up? Yeah, and that's that's probably the hardest thing for for non-believers to understand, right? But but you have to under you have to make clear that sin separates us from God. And that is the bad news that then ultimately makes the good news uh even better, right? That that yes, we are separated from God. That's bad, but God sent Jesus to save us. That's the good news. Yeah. And if you don't understand the bad news, the good news in, in that sense really doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? Jesus, Jesus wants to be your savior. 
Awesome. My from savior what? from what? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do I need to be saved from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so from there, I, I kind of break, instead of going right into the good news, uh, we take a moment to walk through the good old boy and the woman with a rap sheet uh, that we just talked about, you know, the Nicodemus in John 3, and then the Samaritan woman in John 4, and really walk through kind of their stories, who they are, and trying to word it in such a way, again, that somebody that's never been to church, doesn't know all of this kind of stuff, can understand. And, and I try to illustrate it also in a way that anybody can kind of relate to it. Like for me, I'm, I'm really uh, kind of results driven and so forth. And, and I struggle at times with the, am I good enough? And, and part of that is the way I was raised. If, if I made a 95, why wasn't it a 98? If I made a 98, why wasn't it a hundred? And if I made a hundred, there was no real, well, good job. It was just, <laughs> I never seemed to measure up. I played baseball, uh, but I never was the fastest guy on the team. Uh, I, I wasn't the one jacking out a bunch of home runs and all of that kind of stuff. I, I was, you know, competitive, but never the best guy on the team. I was great at music, won a few competitions, but I always knew there was somebody better than me. And, and so this idea, though, that am I good enough that no, there's nothing you can possibly do to be good enough to earn God's favor. And so we walk through that with this guy in John 3, realizing that you're a sinner, realizing that this guy, you know, was, he went to church more than anybody else. He knew the scriptures of that time more than anybody else. He knew all of this stuff, but was still lost. And, uh, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. And then Jesus walks through this understanding of being born again, and it doesn't make sense to him. And, and I kind of get a little lighthearted there, uh, with this guy kind of scratching his head and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, but ultimately, Nicodemus is saved. And we see him at the very end, or really the end of the beginning of Jesus's life, as he is placed in the tomb with Joseph of Arimathea and, and so forth, that he is serving. And uh, maybe from the shadows a little bit, but he is still serving. And many believe that he was saved. And so I, I tell him, you know, maybe you're thinking that I can just outweigh all of my good things and, and hope that that's going to make up for all of the bad things. And maybe I'll get into heaven. Well, Nicodemus is a story for you. No, <laughs> you will not. And then we go to the other woman, the woman at the well. And uh, why don't you talk about her a little bit? Yeah, as you mentioned at the beginning, I mean, she had a rap sheet and um, she had a history that she was obviously not proud of. And we, we deduce that because she shows up to get water in the heat of the day uh, when nobody else would be there. I mean, right. It's not a, the comfortable time to uh, to be carrying heavy water jars back and forth. And yet she she showed up probably because she didn't want to have to deal with sideways glances and um, and, and, you know, uh, uh, comments under the breath and and when she shows up at the well, Jesus meets her right there where she is in her shame and her guilt. And, and as you mentioned at the beginning, he exposes that, right? I mean, he doesn't just let her, he doesn't let her slide. Like, like so many in our culture would, would like to believe about Jesus, right? Oh, he, oh, he just kind of looks the other way and kind of, kind of maybe snickers at our sin. No, he, he confronts it, but then he, he immediately shows her grace, right? There is no condemnation. Uh, even though, I mean, she had this, this train wreck of a life. Uh, up to this point, um, Jesus meets her right where she is and, and uses her understanding. And this is always fascinating to me about it as well. Her, her understanding of who God is and how God operates. He starts there. 
and yeah. and points her ultimately to the truth about who he is and what the gospel is. Yeah. And obviously Jesus could have turned up his nose at this woman. He could have followed the customs of the day, had nothing to do with her, gone, gone around Samaria, you know, and so forth that that's stuff that we can get into in a sermon, that kind of deal. But instead he meets her where she is, but doesn't leave her there, leaves her completely different change from the inside out and and taken together though nicodemus the good old boy and then this unnamed woman the woman with the rap sheet really can show the scope of how jesus is the savior of the world and cap chapter four really dives into that and uh, john three sixteen through 21 and, and walking through some of that and then we land on the good news and the good news ultimately finishes or, or picks up where the bad news obviously leaves off that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, right? And so that's the bad news. We're a sinner. But that verse also goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And, and so then at that point, we walk through some of those verses that all of us that are listening in may know what the Roman Romans wrote says and so forth. Uh, but that is something that at that point, we're leading them to make an encounter with Jesus Christ and leave forever changed and how they can do that. And then what to do if uh, they do that. I even have my email address in there and, and some other links to things like needhim.org or .com, a phone number they can call, like different ways that they can make that uh, response public and so forth, how to be baptized. And, and I really tried to put myself in someone else's shoes that doesn't know any of the things that we know baptism, all that kind of stuff to explain from beginning to end what they need to do. And then at the very end, there are just some stories to explain. Basically, people like Nicodemus, kind of like you, and then people like the woman of the rap with the rap sheet, with which we've got some stories in there like that, and how they were saved. And uh, those stories conclude the book, and uh, it is three ninety five. Uh, and you can find it on Amazon.com, and usually in a few weeks and months, if it does well there, it usually finds itself on Barnes & Noble, Walmart, some of that kind of stuff, too. But I love at the very end, I don't know if you sell this in the Kindle, at the very end, the final page, it says, P.S., to answer the title of this book, yes, God can like save that. you. That's good. And, uh, and so I am praying that it is used to lead just one person to Jesus. And so you can pick it up. It's priced as cheap as my OCD will allow me to do it. I make, I think, I think I look, I make four cents on the paperback. And so you're not making me rich for this. I'm just asking you to pick it up. And as you're evangelizing with someone, as you're going out to eat, and maybe they're receptive, maybe they're interested in what you have to say, but you can't go all the way through the encounter with them and, and see them make a response. Here's something that you can put in their hands that it's short enough that they'll read, you know, and, and it's also short enough that it can be cheap. And, and it's also readable and from their perspective where they can understand it. And so Amazon.com, uh, God can save me. Uh, two different sinners, one great savior. It has a foreword uh, by Johnny Hunt. And uh, so you can find it there on Amazon and uh, excited to see what God does with it. Kyle? Cool. Yeah. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, it's cheap enough. I mean, if you're doing like a, an outreach event for your church, uh, 
if you're resuming vacation Bible school this year or something like that, it's cheap enough. You can buy a bunch of those and make them available to families as yep. they come in. So good stuff. Also, even, even with the Kindle, uh, you can gift those if you just know somebody's email address. And, uh, and so that's another option as well, but send us out, man. All right. Well, congratulations, Dr. Matt Hensley on 3000 waffles and on your latest booklet. Those are, those are all exciting things. So thank you for listening today. And until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We want to connect with you on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast or our website at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com. Until next week, we encourage you to check out csbible.com to learn about the Christian Standard Bible, our favorite translation for its blend of readability and accuracy. Have a great day and God bless. What's wrong with you people?